Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yes, hey, well, good morning, Church for All Nations family. Man, I am so excited that you're joining us today through the internet. Here we are. We continue this uh, to be in this pandemic, this quarantine life that we've kind of grown to be familiar with. And I think we've kind of gotten used to it, but kind of haven't also. But anyway, uh, we're making do. And I just want to say thank you for spending part of your Sunday with us. Wherever you're watching from, maybe you're gathered around a, uh, a breakfast table with your loved ones right now and you have your iPad set up or maybe you're sitting down in your man cave and you're going to watch uh, and, and participate with this worship and then you're watching football all day. That, that's, that, that sounds like a great Sunday to me. Wherever you're at, maybe you're in between shifts and you're on your smartphone. However you're joining us today through YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo, want to say thanks for being here. My name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson. And man, I, I am just so humbled, so honored uh, to be uh, joining you today. This is uh, such a treat to get to do what I, what I do here. And so uh, love you all very, very much. And hey, uh, I think the, the weather's kind of changed just slightly. Are you, are, you, are you warm? You got your fire going somewhere? I mean, it's cold up here in Tacoma, but the sun's shining, so I'll take it. I kind of like the cold in this time of year and um, so much going on, but uh, God is good. And today we're uh, coming to the end of this series of talks that we've been in uh, entitled Stranger Stories. We've just taken the month of October and we've looked to the scriptures to not necessarily the stories that maybe we're used to or that you know, we kind of have some understanding of already, but some of those stories that just seem a little bit odd. You know, there's some stories in the scripture where you read it and you're like, why is that even in the Bible? Well, I want you to know that those stories weren't put there on accident. We know that every word in the scriptures is all God breathed. And so if that's the case, it's important to me, it's important to our church, and it's important to the kingdom of God. And so we are studying some of these stories that seem a little bit odd. And it's been awesome because even in some of these stories that seem strange or, or just flat out weird, uh, we have been able to pull out principles and life application uh, that we can begin to live out even today, and it's been, it's been really, really cool. And so today we're wrapping that up. And it was so hard to even finish this series because there's, there's just so many stories in the Bible. The one that I considered teaching on was uh, the prophet Ezekiel. And maybe you're familiar with the prophet Ezekiel. God tells him to literally eat paper, uh, specifically the scrolls. And so Ezekiel obeys God and he, 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 he physically eats he eats this paper, the, the, the scrolls, and he responds to God and he says, I like this. He, he, he says, the paper tastes like honey. Now, I may, maybe it did. That's, that, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty, pretty cool. But there's just, there's so many stories. Absalom, remember Absalom? He's David's son and he's kind of rebellious. He's doing his own thing and he was always hung up on his hair. Uh, no pun intended, by the way. I'm getting the punchline. But he had this beautiful hair, right? And scripture says that he's riding his mule. And as he's riding, the hair is obviously 
you know, blowing in the wind. And he's this guy who's all into his hair. And it, scripture says, 2 Samuel, it says his hair gets stuck in the tree while he's riding and it rips him off of his mule. And he's just, he's just like, like he's hanging by his hair in a tree. And as you read the scripture, it, 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 you get the feeling that he ends up hanging there for quite a long time. And it doesn't end well with uh, Absalom because Joab shows up and scripture says that Joab shoots darts through his heart. Okay, so once again, it, it, the people that say the Bible is boring, I, I don't know what, where are you reading? Okay, lots of stuff. If you jump to the New Testament, the book of Acts, Paul is preaching and scripture says that a, a young man by the name of Eutychus is, is, is sitting up on the balcony of a third story building and he, he somehow falls asleep and he falls backwards out of the building, lands on the pavement, and he dies. And Paul wraps up his sermon, walks down to the bottom of the stairs, and Scripture says that he lays on top of this dead young man, and miraculously, this young man named Eutychus stands up. And Scripture says they go back into the church and begin Hillsong United. They, they, they begin singing again. It's like, it's like nothing ever happened. It's like, what in the world? That's strange. So, but just, uh, just so many stories that, that uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't tell all of them. But make sure you look uh, to each and every one of them. You know, today, I want to tell a story. It's, it's, it's a strange story. It's weird. Uh, and specifically, I want to tell it because I, it really hits home. This is, this is a story that really affects you and affects me on a very personal level because uh, we've all dealt with it from time to time. You know, many of you know that I grew up here in the Northwest, specifically the North End of Tacoma, born and raised, St. Joe's Hospital, Hilltop, where are you at? You know, like I'm, I'm like straight to, I'm like, I'm proud of it. Tacoma Tigers. I mean, I, how long do you got? I'll, I can go through all the Tacoma stuff. I'm it. Like I, I am. I, I'll stop right there. But anyway, uh, this is where I'm from. But I went to college in the dirty, 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 like the South Tennessee. And this, this, this past week, uh, you know, like 60 million Americans, we watched the presidential, de the, the debates. And it was so cool because those debates were held at my alma mater, Belmont University. That's where it was. We own the map. We coming up, right? And, and, and so as I was watching those debates, I'm like, that's where I graduated, in that room, you know. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I went to college in Nashville, Tennessee, and graduated from Belmont University. And, uh, you know, you, you, you talk about the South is just different than the Northwest, I, like, I don't know how else to put it. Now, I married a Southerner, uh, a Southern Belle. My wife is from Georgia. Uh, 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 we have Elder Denmark, who's here with us today. He's from Alabama. So we got some Southerners. In Pastor Angie, are you a Yeah, Pastor Angie, Pastor. So like, ha you know, half our staff is from the South. What is going on here? I love it. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, I, I went to college in Tennessee and I remember getting there from, from Tacoma, Washington, and I thought I stepped into a different country. I mean, like, it was totally different. I'm talking, you talk about culture shock. I'm not, it wasn't bad. It was just, it was different, right? Everyone was saying hi. And I can remember going to the mall one time, like 18, going to the mall. And there was this dude who didn't work at the mall, but I saw him holding the door. 
I'm like, wait a second. I want to get closer. I, this guy's holding the door for me. What, in, what is this? Southern hospitality. That's I'm just what it is. But I can remember I was, uh, I, I was in my senior year at Belmont. And uh, I had some buddies. And, and, and I had a couple of buddies that were grad students. And I was a, uh, a business major. And I can remember one of my buddies, he was a grad student. And he was interning at this you know, financial, you know, business firm, if you will. So, so he would come to class every day, like in a full three-piece suit, you know, suit and tie. And, and I can remember this one time, and he just a cool guy. I was like, I want to be like that guy, suit and tie and, you know, off to work and the whole thing. And I, I was like, man, that guy's really cool. And he would give, you know, uh, presentations. I'm like, that guy's on point, dude, you know? And I remember one time I was, I was uh, we were hanging out after class. I think we were grabbing coffee, just kind of hanging out. And I asked him, hey man, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you got going on? you know, after, you know, after your internship at that, at that firm after, after work. And he said, oh, I'm really excited because I'm going to spend some time with my mom and my peepaw. And, and I was like, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, what? He's like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going over to my mom and my peepaw's house. And I said, I'm, I'm, once I'm set my ear, I don't, I don't know. What, what did you say? Yeah, I'm just going to go hang out at my Meemaw and my Peepaw's house. And I asked him, what, are those animals? Like, what? Meemaw, what, what is that? He's like, that's my grandparents, my, my grandfather and my grandmother. You know, Meemaw and Peepaw. And I said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, that is weird. There's, you, don't call, you don't call senior citizens Meemaw and Peepaw? What do you think you're, he's like, man, man, you're, you're from the North, man, this is, this is how we talk down here in the South, man. I said, but that's so weird. Listen, how many of you know today that there are things in our life that can become commonplace? There are things in our life that, that are less weird to us because we're so familiar with them. But let me tell you, there's a whole crowd of people that it's still pretty weird too. It's strange. We're like, no, this ain't strange. This is normal. This is what I'm used to. Yeah, but all these other people over here, they don't know what you're talking about. It's a little bit strange. And today, the story that I want to tell for just a few minutes here is one of those. And, and you say, what are you talking about? Well, this story for the believer, for the Christian, the person maybe you grew up in church, you have heard this story. So for you, when I tell it again, it ain't going to be too weird. But I want you to know, if you ain't never heard this story, you're going to be like, that's weird. That is strange, right? So, so, so just, just I wanted to set that up like that. Uh, any wrestling fans out there? I know so many. You're, yeah, Joel's in the way back. Security, he's like, yeah. Yeah, I, we got some wrestling fans. I, I, I was a wrestling fan growing up, but I was like, I was a professional wrestling fan, like late 80s, early 90s. I'm talking like the golden era of professional Hulk Hogan. You know, I'm talking about Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant, Earthquake, Big Boss. I can go on and on and on. And I loved, which one? Jake the Snake. Oh, you're, you're already telling my story. Jake the Snake. You know, Jake the Snake, of course. And, and, but my favorite was... Macho man, Randy Savage. I loved, I loved Randy Savage, man. And but when I was a little guy, you know, I didn't understand that it, 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 was, it wasn't real. You know what I'm talking about? So I can remember my dad, you know, he would get us the, the Royal Rumble, you know, or the K. And I would, I would be like nine 
And the whole time, I'm just like, don't hurt him. You know, Hulk, 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 you know Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, you know, like, how did, how did he do, he did the whole, like, and I'd be like, oh, don't. And, and the whole thing, and I'll never forget. Jake the Snake comes in, and Randy Savage, the dude I like so much, his arms got tied up in the ropes, and he had this sack. And every time he had a sack, you, you knew he had a snake in the bag. I'll never forget, he, pull, he opens the, I'm a little guy, and out comes a king cobra, all right? And I'm like, no, he's gonna, and sure enough, he picked the snake up and he walks it over to Randy Savage, and that snake right, right onto Macho Man's arm, and I like burst into tears because I, Macho, he's gonna physically die. And in that moment, my dad was just like, okay, enough is enough. I've gotta, I gotta break the news that this is all pretend. And in that moment, as he was like, son, sit down, we gotta talk. This is all, this is fake. It's not real. And I was like, really? Oh, thank God, Macho Man's gonna live. But I, I want you to know that all of that is pretend. But how many of you know there, there's a, there, there, the, the, the wrestling in the Bible is actually real? And, and, and I want to share a story from the book of Genesis chapter 32 today where we see an actual real wrestling match with all the drama. It, it goes all night. Uh, there's a pretty severe injury. And it's all on the heels of some family drama. And the person who's involved in this wrestling match and the person who's at fault for the family drama is a man by the name of Jacob. And now you can, you can take some time this afternoon and study the book of Genesis and you can read all about Jacob's life. And here's, here's the cliff notes that I want to leave you for Jacob's life. Jacob was important to God. In fact, as you read further into Exodus, God tells Moses that he wants to be referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, there's a nation that was birthed out of this man named Jacob. Have you heard of the nation of Israel? Okay, so, 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 so Jacob is an important dude in the Holy Scriptures. He's revered to this day. But let me tell you, uh, his early years uh, were a little off, if you will. In fact, his name actually translates better to deceiver. And that's exactly what he, he does early on in his life. Scripture says that he's, he's a twin. And, and of, the, of the twin, he's the younger one. He has an older brother named Esau. And through a series of events, you can read all about it in Genesis, he deceives his brother. He betrays his brother into giving him the sacred birthright. Now, that's a whole cultural thing in the ancient world, even to this day in the Jewish custom, the first, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a special set of circumstances that is set aside for the firstborn of the family. It's just the way it goes. It's not fair. It's just the way, the way it went back then. And even to this day, it's like there's a little bit more that goes into that firstborn. It's, it's called the birthright. In fact, not just a birthright, but it was a specific blessing that the patriarch of the family would pass down from generation to generation onto the firstborn. That included uh, the, op the, the, uh, the rights to lead the, the entire family. There was a financial investment into that specific young man. The list went on and on and on. And Jacob, through a series of events, he deceives his brother 
to transferring that blessing to him. And then he goes on to his father and does the same thing and he receives the blessing that was for Esau. It now comes on to Jacob. And Esau finds out about this. He goes to his old man, Isaac, and he says, Dad, can't you change your mind? And he said, it's already done. Jacob has the blessing. And with that, Esau says, I will spend the rest of my life hunting him down to kill him. And Jacob catches wind of this and he flees to his uncle Laban's path. In fact, scripture says that he is in hiding for 20 years. And at that 20 year mark, the Lord comes to Jacob and he says, we're done. It's time to go back to your family who included Esau. And so Jacob, he obeys God. And scripture is very clear, Genesis chapter 32, that Jacob is afraid. Obviously, he's afraid because he knows what he's done to his brother. He knows what his brother is capable of doing. And so as you read the scripture, you see that Jacob is heading back to his family, including Esau, and he's wrestling with all That may just happen when he gets there. Ultimately, the worst case scenario, him being killed. And so like Jacob, like me, he's trying to figure out how, is there anything he can do before he even gets there to that meeting that's 20 years overdue? Is there anything I can do to maybe lessen the blow, if you will? Scripture says that he's upset. He's afraid. He's talking to God. He's worshiping God. He's praying to God. He's at, scripture says that he's actually reminding God of the promises that God passed down to him. He's like, God, now I'm just, just a quick reminder. <laughs> like, this is what you promised me. And this is what you said you'd do, to, do for me. You said you're going to protect me, right? And he's going through all of these things. And then he starts to think, well, maybe, maybe I can... I can transfer a peace offering before I even get there. And so scripture says that's exactly what he does. He gets his servants and scripture says, and 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 it's all broken down categorically, that he sends out to his brother Esau over a thousand head of livestock, like as a peace offering. Maybe, maybe that will appease him too, to some extent. But then he gets to a place where he sends his family, his wives, his children across the, the, the valley there. And then scripture says that he, he goes off and he gets alone. And that's where I want to pick up from this story right here. He's now completely alone. He's just moments away, hours away from meeting his brother. He's done everything that he thought he was supposed to do and could do. He has no other solutions. And he's literally at a place where he doesn't know what else to do. And he still senses that there's something really wrong. And there's something still that could really happen that's going to be really bad. And he's at a place where he's desperate. The question is, have you ever been there before? Maybe you're watching right now and you're a believer. And you say, Pastor, I I can relate to that. I love God. I feel like I've, I've done everything that he's wanted me to do. I've actually like, I, I, like, I feel like my brain's gonna explode because I've tried to fix whatever the thing is, the, the, the conflict, and I don't know what else to do. And I just like, I need you right now. Like I'm not moving from this place until you show up and you show out and you tell me what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what else to do. Have you ever been at a place where you're that 
desperate where you you don't know what to do to almost like a place where you're like, you're, here it is, wrestling with the Lord. I don't know if you're like me, but I've been there. Where I'm like, God, I don't don't know what else to do. I don't know where to go. Please. That's really where this story picks up. And I want to show you just three components, some some life lessons, some application from this strange story that we're going to read right now. And specifically, as it pertains to this word wrestling. And to take it a step further, further, biblical wrestling. There's words within your Bible, there's texts that you're going to have to spend some time wrestling with. Uh, There's going to be moments where you're going to have to wrestle with God on some issues that you're dealing with. This is part of that spiritual discipline and working out. And, And so right out of the gate here, the title of this little talk here is The Weary and the Wrestling. You can write that at the top of your notes. The Weary and the Wrestling. And the first area of understanding this biblical wrestling idea is, number one, write this down, the revelation. The revelation. Meaning having your eyes open to your own need, knowing that you don't have all the answers in and of yourself. This is a requirement. And this, and, 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 and quite frankly, this requires humility. This is that moment where you're like, ah, and you begin to have a revelation, an understanding that you aren't enough that you can't make this happen on your own. You have this revelation. And before you can get the real direction and the clarity and the conflict resolution from God, it starts with you realizing that you actually need him. And this is a process that has to play out. And this is where Jacob finds himself. He doesn't know the solution. He doesn't have all the power. He recognized his own weaknesses and his own need. And here he is. He's standing face to face with his own desperation. And that revelation ushered in an invitation for the Lord to work in and through him. Let's go to the text. Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 22. Scripture says that night... Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And then he had sent them across, and he had them sent across the stream. He sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And here he is. I just set it up. He's, he's there alone in that alone place. This is where the wrestling begins and then scripture says and a man wrestled with him until daybreak there are times in your life when it's just about you getting alone and working out some stuff that you need from God it's in these moments where God is able to reveal to you exactly what he has in store for you. And you won't even believe what happens next. Scripture says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. As he wrestled with the man, 
Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Verse 29, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Now, when you dig into this story a little bit deeper, Scripture says right here that he's wrestling, wait for it, not with a human man, but Scripture just said it, with God himself. I'm not sure if you just heard that. Jacob is in a wrestling match, not with a human, not with the ultimate warrior, not with Andre the giant, right? But with God himself. I want you to know that is strange. That is weird. That the God of the universe comes down to earth and he engages in an actual physical grudge match, if you will with this man named Jacob. And he, Scripture says that he injures him. And it's so, under, under, it's so important to understand what that word wrestle actually means because in the original language, this word wrestle actually means to grapple or to get dusty. And I believe that so much of the reason why we don't see God more in our lives is because we are unwilling to get into the dirt of what he's calling us to do. He's calling us out of our comfort zones. He's calling us out of those things that which we're so familiar with into the dirt, into the muck, into the mire of our own things in our lives and into the things of other people's lives. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And in fact, Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 refers to, to exactly what I'm talking about here. Look what scripture says. This is what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, and, and if you're a believer, you're probably familiar with this passage. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Have you heard that before? Jesus says, you, follower, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, we've talked about this passage before. And, you know, most teach that salt provides flavor to your food, to your french fries. Uh, salt provides uh, an opportunity to preserve food. And, and all of that's true, but I've, I've never seen salt lose its saltness when it's used this way. In the, uh, in the ancient world, in Jesus' time, um, households were dependent on the fires that they would build. In fact, they would have these you know, stoves in the middle of their homes that had to stay lit. And the, the stoves required fuel. That, you know, the fuel kept the fire going. The, the fire provided heat. The fire provided a, uh, a mechanism to, to, to make food. And, and so it was so important that you had the proper fuel for this fire. Um, and 
The fuel they used, not to gross anybody out, was dried animal dung, animal poop, if you will, dried up, right? Like, like a charcoal, if you will. And, and he, here's the thing. What they would do is to, to, to have uh, a, more, a, a, you know, a more power, a stronger, a hotter fire, they would actually add salt to the dried animal dung and there would be this chemical reaction and in that chemical reaction, it made the fire hotter and stronger and it allowed it to last that much longer. And when the fire died out, they would take that, the remnants of that fuel and they would throw it out. This is the illustration Jesus is using here. And Jesus is saying that God essentially is calling you and me, his followers, to the dirty places. And when we are willing to engage in the battles that the Lord is calling us to, we are effective for the kingdom. But when we are unwilling, when we shy away from the dirty mess that he's called us to, when we shy away from the stuff that we got going in our own lives, those messy areas, and we say, I'm just going to pretend like it's not there. Or that neighbor across the street who's on her last bag of french fries. And we know it and we don't do anything about it. God says, no, I need you to get into her mess. I need you to walk across the street. I'm calling you to be salt. And if you're unwilling to do it, you are ineffective for my kingdom. That is what Jesus is saying here. And we see this within this passage of scripture here. What will you do in times of needing, in times of needing more of God? What will, you, what will you do with God's invitation to engage in the wrestling with him? Are you willing to, even if it means you get dirty? Are, are you willing, not, not just willing to engage in it, are you willing to stay engaged in it? E even when you're exhausted, even when you look around and no one else is doing this, no, no one else seems to be getting some dirt on themselves too. Are you willing to stay committed to what he's called you to do? You, you've got to get a revelation inside of you. And we see this happening in Jacob's life. Here's the second thing that we need to recognize regarding biblical wrestling, and that is the rules. <clears throat> There's rules to this wrestling match. I can remember being in a middle school and playing uh, middle school basketball, which that's a mess in and of itself, right? Middle school basketball. It's like the end score is like, you know, 22 to seven. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like, it's messy. Uh, but I can remember there was this kid on my team and he wasn't that good. And uh, he got into the game kind of like towards the end of the game. And, you know, we wanted, we wanted to give him an opportunity to score, you know? So they passed to him. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I'll tell you the reason, <laughs> there's no one, like, no one was guarding him. And he had, like, a free shot. And he, like, literally goes right to the basket, lay in. Like, no one touches him, but no one cheers. And the reason why no one cheered is because, well, he went to the wrong basket. Like, he caught the ball and ran to the other team and, like, like essentially scored for the other team, right? How, how many of you know that in any game, in any match, <laughs> there are rules that we have to follow. And for 
biblical wrestling, there are rules. There are rules when it comes to the engagement of the stuff that we're dealing with, the conflict inside of us, the stuff that we see in scripture that we wrestle with, the stuff that's going on in our own life that we're having to wrestle with God with. There's even rules to that. And I want to give you the rules. Are you ready? Here's the rules to biblical wrestling. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let me read it one more time because that's not my words. Scripture says, here's the rules for your wrestling. We wrestle not, come on, where your man cave shout not. We, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is the rules, friends, and somehow we can't seem to remember this. This is the, literally, I mean, there's, there's other rules, but like this is the main rule. And, and for so many of us, we can't even get this one rule right. Our wrestling can look like different things. Our wrestling can look like engaging with the Lord to work things out on the inside. It's this, Lord, you, you know, how am I? It's all of that stuff that each and every one of us, we all have that stuff inside of us that we're constantly having to wrestle and pray through and, 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 and educate ourselves on and work through. It's always going on. And that's a good thing. Or it's against principalities of darkness. I want you to know, believer, that there is a spiritual war taking place right now that you physically can't see. But I'm telling you, there's an enemy out there that wants your soul. He wants your kid's soul. He wants to ruin your life. And I'm telling you, there's this war against good and evil. And, 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 and actually, you're part of it. You just can't physically see it. But there's a spiritual war going on. And we are warring with spiritual principalities of darkness, with God's power. But we never, write this down, we never war against our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Stop pulling people into your cage match. It ain't their wrestling match, man. Don't pull them in, especially during this season. Oh my goodness. As we're just a couple of, Days out from this election, man, I'm seeing believers just at it with each other. And it, you're, what, you are, you're, you're spending your energy on frivolous things because scripture is clear that we don't wrestle against man. We don't wrestle against woman, especially not our brothers and sisters in Christ. We avoid that and we, we wrestle with the stuff that we're dealing with on the inside. And how do we do that? We go to God with it. You go to God with it. There's, there's rules. There's, there's, there's rules to this wrestling. Finally, the last thing as we close, as the band comes back, here's the third thought that I have. As those of you who are believers, followers of Jesus, There's this process of a spiritual wrestling, if you will, with the Lord. We see it in the physical sense in this strange story with Jacob wrestling God. And here's the last thing that you need to understand about biblical wrestling, and that is the results. The results. You, you get a revelation 
And then there's rules to it. And as you begin to work through that stuff, right, as God begins to reveal those areas and he begins to help you walk through some of those trials and those situations, you begin to see the results. Maybe you're watching right now and you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've, I've been to that, that mat with the Lord. It took, it took me 15 years. <laughs> and we're still at it. But man, I'm, I'm getting stronger. He's, he's showing me stuff. I mean, the results are clear. The thing about this walking with the Lord and the wrestling, and I love, some, someone just said it. I can't remember who said it just a few minutes ago from the stage, but the reality that his ways are higher than our ways. Like the way God does stuff isn't the way we do stuff necessarily, right? And that's actually, that's, that's, a, that's a really, really, really good thing. His ways are so much higher than ours. And we live in this culture where most of us only want to give ourselves to the things that provide grand prizes. Do you know what I'm talking about? The grand prize, right? The golden ticket. Like that's, I mean, that's what we, oh. But what if the result of the wrestling with God is that you walk away with something that seems more like weakness instead of strength? Like, like the thing that we're, we walk away from God, like we go, I don't, I don't feel like I got stronger here. It feels like I got weaker. My friend, let me tell you right now, his ways are higher than our ways. Go back to the text. Verse 25, Genesis 32. When the man, that man, spirit of God, some, some translations refer to him as the angel of the Lord. Regardless, it came from heaven. <laughs> it came from God's uh, idea. When God saw that he could not overpower him, now, by the way, that's a whole other sermon in and of itself. I don't, I would, how how much time do we got? No? Okay. When the man saw that he could, when God saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that, hip, that, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And so the Bible goes on to say that Jacob walks, he walks away from the wrestling match with God with a limp. Now, he, Scripture also says that he walks into this situation with his brother, and you could read the rest of that story, and it looks like there's reconciliation there. The, the, the Lord uh, provides a, a, a restoration of that re relationship. So, so God shows up in that instance, but when he gets off the wrestling match, excuse me, the, the, the wrestling mat, the Lord tweaks his hip, and he walks away with a limp. The question is, why would, why would God do something like that? In fact, this is actually a principle that we see through, all throughout Scripture. It seems that he got weaker when he walked away. But the hidden truth is that he actually walks away stronger. And, th and this is a principle that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Testament. In fact, we actually see it also with Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, after he did some wrestling of his own. And, and in fact, the wrestling match that Paul has is with a messenger of darkness. Like the evil side, the dark side, the dark Lord, 
Sith, if you will, right? Get that picture in your head. I'm like saying the wrong characters, aren't I? Anyway, but Paul, Paul refers to the, to, to the being that he wrestles with as a spiritual dark angel, if you will. And even in that wrestling, God allowed a result that Paul didn't want. Look what the, look what the text says. 2 Corinthians 12, starting at the second part of verse 7. Paul said, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. And here's that dark, here's dark Vader. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take, a, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power. Look at this. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. What? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. You talk about... Uh, Hey, believer, hey, Christian, you have signed up to live counterculture, okay? That's what I'm talking about. I'm running out of time. I, I can't get on no rabbit trail. But I love, I'm, I'm gonna close with this one thought. Pastor Ashley, by the way, women's Bible study. I know all the ladies are into it. Brothers, I'm telling you, you gotta go back on YouTube and, and, and watch this. I'm telling you, this past week, I'm gonna steal one of her thoughts right now, okay? Because it, it just aligns with what we're talking about right here. Even Jesus himself showed up uh, it, not just taught on this principle but lived it look at this I'm gonna close the band back oh just okay just you we're good all right I'm gonna pray <laughs> I'm all over the man the caffeine kicked in a little hard here here's what here's to, to wrap this up here here's the principle Jesus John chapter 20 verse 24 now this is this is after Jesus has died on the cross he, he's risen, he's come back to life and he's making some of his first appearances to his, his, to his disciples. Verse 24, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, hey, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my finger where the nails were, Lest I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26. A whole week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and, 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 and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. And here's the takeaway. This is, what, this is what I want this passage. This is how I want this part to resonate with you. And that is when Jesus showed Thomas his scars, he was proving to him that he was alive. He was showing him that indeed he had resurrected, 
that there was new life. But even more importantly, he was saying the proof of what I endured belongs. My friend right now, Jesus could have had those marks on his hands, on his feet, on his side. He's the son of God. He could have had them erased. He could have had an even a flawless body. But he chose to leave the marks, the scars of what he had to endure to get to that new life. And I want to say this to you, friend watching right now, you lover of Jesus, believer, Christian, just like Paul, just like Jacob now with the limp. I want you to know, don't hide your marks, your scars. They are there for a purpose, a reason. It's to point people based on what you walked through, your testimony, what you had to endure. It points people to Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, be at peace, Jesus said. Be at peace because he, he modeled it for us. Thomas says, I don't believe. I, I got to see if it's really him. And the only way I'm going to know that it's my Savior, my Master, my Jesus, I got to see the scars and the proof of what he went through. And Jesus says, by all means, give me your hand. Touch them. Look. Here they are. I came back from the dead. I went through all that for you. I'm telling you right now, the results, the results. That's what I want to leave this series with today, my friend. This is the culmination of this series. Believer, as Paul said, I bear the marks of Christ. I uh, uh, suffering, man, I, it's like my letterman. Did you ever have a letterman jacket? Maybe you're an athlete in high school and you sew all the pat. You would walk around campus like, what up? Look what I did. Look, you know what I'm saying? In the same way, man, all the stuff that you went through for the cause of Christ, all, all the mistakes you made in your, not, not just that, but I'm talking about the mistakes you made in your life, the sin, all that kind of stuff. You don't, I'm a, yeah, it's under the blood now. You don't live in that type of lifestyle anymore. But you say, man, brother, I was there. I battled with that addiction 20 years ago. I walked through that divorce. I went through all of this stuff. I lived like hell. But I'm telling you right now, because of what Jesus did in my life, I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation in Jesus. And here's the proof to show you. The results. It's so good. Hey, listen. Are you weary enough to wrestle? If you're tired today, if you don't have the answer... If you're dealing with fear and anxiety, I'm telling you the coronavirus, uh, racial injustice in this country, the election season, I, uh, loss of work. I'm telling you, I can go down the list. You, you talk about like every bad thing <laughs> all at the same time. I, I feel like every day I talk to someone who's going through it. And, and if you're at a place where you're, you're ready to wrestle. I encourage you to get a revelation, right? You gotta have it. You say, what do you mean the revelation? The, just the revelation that you gotta, you gotta go to the mat with the Lord. 
that thing that you've continually been dealing with inside, maybe it's a thing that nobody knows about. And, you, and you've been lying to yourself about it. Maybe, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm telling you, man, you ain't good. And you got to come to a revelation that you ain't good. And you're going to need to go to God with that and spend some time. And, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, he, he will, I'm telling you, Roman Greco style. I'm talking like full Nelson suplex. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Go to the mat with God. He's willing to do it. He's willing to do it. You got to get a revelation. And then you got to realize that there's rules about it. Man, don't, don't go after that person. <laughs> don't, you know what I'm talking I'm not talking about conversation and, and iron sharpening. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just like, ah, that's a, have at it. But I mean, I'm just saying you're wasting your energy and your time. Go to the Lord with that. We serve a God that, that is willing for you to even approach him like that. Like, God, I'm just so, And you just got to understand the results. What God desires for us to walk away with won't always be what we expect, but it will always be what is best for us. Come on, let's pray right now. God, we thank you for your word today. God, as we close this series, Stranger Stories, I've had so much fun with it, just learning learning new principles and angles, and it's just been great. And I know that you've worked on so many during this month of October. I'm just reminded, God, of how everything that you said, either through your mouth or through the mouth of prophets or through the mouth of regular old people like me, through the word, it's, it's, it's all from you. It's God-breathed. It's important. God, I thank you for the truth of everything that we read throughout the library called the Bible. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. God, thank you for this story today. God, I thank you that all throughout Scripture, it's like the people who you choose are a mess. Got all kinds of issues. You could have chosen quote, end quote, perfect people, which obviously no no one like that exists, but you intentionally choose people that look a whole lot like me. That's got stuff that we have to work through. But that's how, that's your system. The system is wrestling with you, working it out with you through your word. So God, I thank you for it today. If you're watching right now and you say, Pastor, pray for me, I I love the concept <laughs> wrestling with God and going to the mat and, and, and you know, issues in my life and all, you know. But I've got to get the relationship first. I just got to accept him. Maybe you're watching today and that's you. You say, pray for me. I want to say yes to God. I want to invite him into my life so that he can begin to give me a revelation. <laughs> For someone right now, the, the, the spiritual light bulb, if you will, that the Holy Spirit provides, it's, it's getting dusted off. It's getting plugged in and the things, you know, you know, those Edison bulbs. It's like that's kind of starting to happen right now, maybe inside of you. And it's like, oh, and maybe even right now the revelation is beginning 
And you're like, yeah. You say, pastor, pray for me. I, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm a sinner, just like you. <laughs> I'm the chief sinner here at this, this party, okay? I'm saved by grace. He can do the same thing for you. He has washed me in the blood. He's given me a second chance at life. He's filled me with assignment, purpose. I wake up in the morning like, let's go, okay? Matthew 28, he has the same mantle for you. If you want that today, just pray this little prayer. Jesus, I give you my life right now. I believe in the words that you said in the scriptures. I believe that you are real. I believe that you came to this earth, that you are the son of God, that you are the Messiah. I believe that you lived a perfect life. I believe, Lord God, uh, that, that, that you went to the cross, that you became the sin of all humanity for a moment and you died as the ultimate sacrificial lamb for the sin of all humanity. And in that moment, it gave me an opportunity to live with you eternally. Meaning that when I die one day, I'm going to spend eternity forever with you. But not just that, I can live with purpose, assignment, joy, peace, patience. I can go on and on and on kindness here on earth. I want that and I accept you into my life right now. Friend, believer, you who are watching right now, pray for that person that's praying that prayer in Spanaway right now, in Puyallup right now, in University Place. So, someone right now here in Parkland is praying that prayer. So Lord God, we thank you for, for new saints. Come on now. For, for people that have said yes to you, Lord God. Pray for them. Thank you, Jesus. Now, friend, right now, believer, Christian, I want to pray for you. You're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm in the season of getting ready to meet Esau. I'm afraid. I don't have an answer. I feel like I've done everything. I, I, I'm out of money. I'm out of resources. I'm out of ideas. I don't know how to fix this marriage. I can't kick the bottle. You know, I'm talking like I've ruined everything that I've ever set foot into. I'm, I get laid off, fired just because I'm just, I'm not good at whatever your thing is or your accumulation of things, we've all got things. I want to pray for you right now that you would have a revelation. I want to pray for you. You say, Look, I got to go to the mat with God on some things. When you pray for me, I know it's going to get messy. I know he's going to show me some stuff that, man, I'm, I don't even know if I'm ready to deal with. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray for my friend. God, I pray right now that you would begin to reveal yourself to them, that there would be a revelation of, first and foremost, your love for them. God, there's a way that you communicate with us that's like no other way, that no, no, there's no human. There's my wife, our, our, our loved ones, my best friend, my brother. They, they all love me, but there's a way that you expose your love to me that is, it just surpasses all of this stuff. God, would you do that for my friend right now who's struggling, who's afraid, who doesn't have the solution, the answer. And God, I pray right now that my friend 
would humble themselves in such a way that they'd be willing to meet you on that mat. They'd be willing to get vulnerable. They'd be willing, uh, just, just the process of accepting the reality that we don't have all the answers, that, we're, that, that, that we are finite, that we are mortal, that our brains are, you know, peanut size. It's, we don't, God, I pray right now that they would be willing to go there. And God, as they begin to work and wrestle through some of these issues, God, I pray that there would be holistic healing in their spirit, man, and their relationships and addiction issues, financial issues, all relationship, but ultimately that they would fall in line with what you have for them. God, we thank you for your word in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 